Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of The Podcast Was Good. I am your host, Jacob Rude, as always with me is Austin. Austin, we're recording this as the Dodgers are finishing off their implosion. Uh, what would you trust more, a Kershaw playoff appearance or an Archie Miller offense? Oh, those are two terribly brutal choices. I, I think that I'm going to go with an Archie offense just because it occasionally works. Um, playoff Kershaw, not very trustworthy. Um, I, I'm going to go with Archie, even though my my part says not to do that. We were, uh, yeah, we were having a bit of a discussion uh, Archie Miller, or, or excuse me, not Archie Miller, uh, Clayton Kershaw, um, one of the most confounding guys, uh, in professional sports, Hall of Fame level good, first bout Hall of Famer, um, just absolutely terrible in the postseason, it's definitely a mental thing at this point, but just, uh, an interesting thing, uh, as we record late on this Wednesday night, uh, but we're not here to talk about Kershaw. Obviously, we're here to talk about IU Sports. Before we get started, I want to actually mention this at the beginning this time. Uh, if you guys haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, we are up on there. Uh, we are on Spotify. We are on, I believe, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, if you can, it's a huge help. Leave a rating and review. We really appreciate all the support you guys have given us so far as we kind of continue this this podcast and hopefully get some kinks ironed out along the way. So, um, as we did last week, a little bit different format because I use I use football's bye week. Um, so instead of obviously having a game to recap in the uh, first half of the podcast. Um, there's no IU football game, there's an IU soccer game, a different kind of football that we're going to talk about, because um, as we kind of teased last week and talked about, IU had probably one of its biggest games of the year um, on the schedule tonight. Uh, they played number 16 Kentucky um, at home, and we had talked all along about how fun and exciting this IU soccer team is, and how... They're scoring goals like crazy, and they're young and wild, and it was a nil-nil draw in double overtime. Uh, Austin, uh, what happened to the offense? Honestly, uh, the, the Kentucky defense was just really solid. They they had some pretty solid center center back play. I, I think the, their goalkeeper saved a few decent shots. They just they did a really good job of not allowing not allowing Indiana to get the ball to the center of the pitch to to get it into the box. It kind of forced them to either you know go out of bounds, make it a corner, or you know kind of put in some not so great crosses. They didn't really give them the ideal setup per se to get the ball to the middle or you know to get a through ball and get a guy out on the break like Herbert Endelay. So. They just kind of made life hard for Indiana, um, and, and that's something that they did last year as well. Uh, so it wasn't really unexpected, but they, they did just enough to throw Indiana off its game in terms of attack in this one. Yeah, so IU was going against um, one of the better defenses in the country. Um, I believe with this result, 
Um, they're close. Kentucky's closing in on 500 consecutive minutes uh, without allowing a goal. I think which, they're over that now. Yeah, which is uh, which is wild and a testament to how good that defense is. So, in that regard, it's not necessarily a negative. IU didn't score. Um, Kentucky had some absolute units on the back line. Um, just some huge, huge, uh, huge guys. Uh, Mabika, Mabika, I'm butchering that name. It's like 6'6 and was keeping up with the wingers for IU. Um, he was wild to watch. There was a lot of guys. Um, but it did also didn't help that IU, I believe, finished with two shots on goal. Um, it was frustrating, but it was still a draw. IU held on the other end just as well. Um, and it's a lot easier to learn from a draw or, uh, even a win than it is to learn from a loss. So you can take that away. IU, I believe this result also makes it either, th- I believe 32 consecutive home games they haven't lost. Um, the stat yep, flashed up. 32. Yeah. Yep, right at the end of the game, the stat flashed up. Um, I believe there are 28 wins and four draws in that span. So that's still impressive. Um, but yeah, this team, uh, gonna do a bit of a deep dive on this team because there isn't a ton else to talk about from the game. There was, there was one, really only one chance IU had. Um, it came about the midway point of the second half. Spencer Glass whipped in just a, a beautiful ball that um, AJ Palazzolo kind of whiffed on, and then there was a bit of a handball shout, and but that had been a little bit of a rough of a, a penalty that the ref just kind of turned away, and that was about the m- most uh, dangerous chance I you had the whole game, and it didn't even really result in a a shot on goal, so. Um, not a ton to talk about from the game. There's only three shots on goal in regulation. Kentucky had a bit of a spell in the first overtime, I believe. A um, couple corners right in a row that um, our IU's keeper, uh, Celentano, looked a bit shaky on, but he's also a freshman, which kind of brings me to the, the first point I wanted to talk about. IU started five freshmen and two sophomores today. Um, we talked about how kind of reliant this team is on freshmen. Um, how important has this freshman class been this season so far, Austin? Uh, they've been absolutely crucial. They, they've been possibly the most important class. They've done a lot of the, the heavy lifting in terms of creating offensively, in terms of, you know, organizing in the midfield. I mean, you look at uh, Maloon Gumbale is a guy who has two goals and three assists. He has he's tied for the team leading assists as a true freshman. He he doesn't even start. He comes off the bench. He hasn't made a single start yet this season, but he's got two goals, three assists. You also look at Aiden Morris, who's a fantastic player right in the defensive midfield. He's got three assists. He's got a goal. You you look at. A number of other guys. You look at Joshua Penn, he's got three goals. You look at Victor Bezerra, two goals. Herbert Endele, two goals. And I believe that they were both golden goals. So it's just, it's kind of hard to overstate how important, how good this, 
this group of true freshmen are. They, they're just unbelievable. There's a lot of guys that, you know, you can see just the talent just oozes off of them as they're on the field. It, particularly Morris, particularly, uh, Joshua Penn. They're just, they just, they're so fun to watch. They're, they're so good at, you know, just everything basically. Um, so I'd have to say that they're, they're crucial to this team. They have been and they should continue to be. Um, another kind of big thing. I mean, we talked uh, a couple times that we've talked about this team, how much they lost, which kind of makes it surprising how deep this team is. Like this, these, there is kind of fluid substitution. And like you said, one of their, uh, at least statistically best players doesn't even start. And in college soccer, um, substitutions are, there is no limit, basically, is what I'm getting at. So you can... Yeah, uh, they're free. Yeah, you can cycle through, guys. Um, and I use bringing on just talent after talent, um, so much depth on this team, um, that they can kind of keep coming at you in waves, whereas other teams, um, when the substitutes come on, there's a bit of a drop-off. Um, IU keeps coming in waves. I mean... That could be part of the reason why they've been able to score so many goals late um, is that they're able to play so many of these um, guys bigger minutes coming off the bench that some of the starters are fresh and, and things like that. So um, because, yeah, before tonight... Uh, IU had scored three goals, three goals, um, each of the last two games, three of the last six games they've scored, they'd scored three goals. This is a, generally a pretty, um, high scoring offense by soccer standards. So, um, this was kind of an aberration. Hopefully, um, IU can get back on track, but this is also probably the last time they'll play a ranked team. Um, they have a, the Big Ten's a bit down this year. They'll have a bit of an easy run-in. Um, but another guy I wanted to mention, um, we kind of talked a little bit about him before we went live. Um, I'm going to butcher this name again. Joris uh, Alinvi? Yeah, Joris Alinvi. Joris Alinvi. A transfer from FIU who... Um, he was on the... Um, Herman Trophy watch list, the semifinalist last year. To, it's it's kind of hard to put into perspective. The Herman Trophy watch list is essentially what the Heisman is for football, only for soccer. Um, I wrote down a name. I wanted to get your thoughts. Austin, kind of put this in perspective in regards to like a, a football or another sport. What is this like for IU to get this guy to transfer into the team? Um, my, it's kind of hard because it's not very often that you see a guy who's a grad transfer, at least in American football, who's a guy who's a Heisman contender and, and transfers as a grad transfer to somewhere else. But the, the thing that kind of struck me was it's kind of like Ohio State getting Justin Fields. Um, I mean, you get a guy who's an uber talent who's going to come in and who's going to create for you offensively, who's going to be one of the best players in the country, who's going to be a handful for any defense that tries to come at him, who guys 
opposing teams have to build game plans around. So Justin Fields going to Ohio State was kind of the the comparison that's stuck in my head. It's not perfect because, of course, Fields wasn't really, really proven before he became a Buckeye, like Alinvi was, but it's as close as I could get. So I I wrote down a different name. I wrote down Jalen Hurts. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Which Hurts was kind of a Heisman. I don't. Yeah, I'd have to look. I don't know if he is a finalist, but he's definitely going to be a finalist this year. Um, but Alinvi has only played two games this year. He had to sit out the first, I think, nine games as they kind of figured out things um, with his transfer and, and what uh, make sure he'd be ruled eligible. Um, but he's already made an impact, already scored a goal. Um, he started both games he's played, I believe. Um, I believe he scored against Penn State. Um, he did. So kind of an instant impact guy. Uh yeah, so the other guy I wanted to talk about specifically that I wrote down, I wrote down some notes as I was watching. Um, IU lost, we've talked about, Gutman last year was a another Herman, he was a winner, um, as a left back. Spencer Glass has kind of stepped in. Um, how big has he been? I know it's a huge, huge shoes to fill, but I guess how... How has he filled them? How how good has he been this season for IU? I think that what something has really helped him is that last year on that left wing, he spent a lot of time working, you know, right next to Andrew Gutman. He he was, you know, they would both play on the left wing and they would just kind of swap back and forth. One of them would play left winger, the other one would play left back, and if one of them had to get back and the other one went forward, it didn't really matter. They just kind of flip-flopped all the time, and that's what kind of made that wing dangerous for the Hoosiers. So he got to see Andrew Gutman work up close a lot. So I, I think that that helped him a lot coming into this season, and he's been really, really good. I, I mean, even back last year, his teammates, his coaches have said that Spencer Glass has the best left foot in college soccer he, plain and simple, just when he's on that left wing and he's got room and he can get his left foot onto a cross into the box, it 99 times out of 100, it's going to have a chance to maybe you know go into the back of the net because he's just pinpoint crosser in terms of finding his runners, in terms of setting guys up, in terms of, you know, working with the, the the attackers on this team coming forward his left back position. So it hasn't necessarily showed up as much as I expected on the score sheet. He He's only got the one goal. He finally broke through and scored his first goal against Penn State, and he, he's got two assists. But, I mean, like we saw tonight against Kentucky, like you mentioned earlier, he had a beautiful cross that he whipped into the box, and it, nobody was there Nobody was home to put it there. I mean, A.J. Palazzolo had a chance, and then he didn't get it. And then it's it's kind of been like that a little bit for him this year, where he just things just haven't worked out in terms of getting his name on the score sheet. But he's been terribly, terribly good. Um, he 
there might have been some concern about him uh, defensively because Gutman was a better defender than him, which is why Spencer would play forward a little more and then he would drop back if he had to. But he's been solid. I mean, the entire defense has been relatively fine for much of the year. They've been pretty darn good sometimes. So um, Spencer Glass is one of the most important players on this team. Uh, he's been great. Uh, I would expect him to continue to be great going forward. Yeah, I mean, they, they hold Kentucky scoreless today. They held Notre Dame, probably their other biggest game of the year. They held them to one goal. Um, so in the big games, the defense is stepping up and um, kind of shutting people down. Um, one name I forgot to write down, one last person to talk about, is uh, kind of Spencer Glass's counterpart on the other side of the field. Uh I believe it's pronounced Simone Waver. Um, Yeah, Simon Waver. Yeah, he's from Denmark, played at Evansville a couple years, transferred to IU. Um, In kind of in some regards, just kind of the mirror of glass, not quite as good. Um, But he even stepped into midfield toward the end of the game. And uh, the – I guess how has he been – Again, he's a, a first-time starter as IU lost basically everyone. How has he kind of stepped into the, the starting lineup this season? Well, the, the great thing with Waver is that he was with the Hoosiers in the spring season. So he, coming into the year, it, it wasn't like he was a brand-new guy. He, he had a chance to build up a rapport. He had a chance to, you know, be in practices to, you know, work out with guys. So... He kind of had an easier time slotting in, and and I think that you were right, you know, in saying that he's kind of the mirror of Spencer Glass. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the right foot to be the counterpart to Glass's left foot, but he's pretty solid with both feet. He is very good at getting forward and creating chances for you know his teammates. Um, tonight, I think that. He worked particularly well with Herb Endley. Um, th- those two combined pretty well. Um, he's a guy that can play up and down the wing. It-, it doesn't make much of a difference whether he's forward, whether he's back. He can do whatever he needs to do. He's got two assists on the season. Uh, hasn't scored a goal yet. But I, the thing is, is that this team is so diverse in the way that it can attack, it's so deep in terms of guys who can score goals, uh, guys who can set up goals. I, I mean, IU has 11 different goal scorers, which is the most in the Big Ten, has to be among the most in the country. Uh, so just because a guy doesn't have a, a, a gaudy number next to his name in terms of goals or assists doesn't mean that He's necessarily off to a slow start or anything. I, I think the waiver's been really good. Um, he was kind of the perfect pickup for Todd Yeagley's staff, and, and you have to give them a lot of credit for, for finding him. I mean, according to Waver, he put his name in the portal, and same day, maybe the next day, got a call from IU. So they were on it. They knew that he would be a good fit, and he's proving them right so far. Yeah, and like he's from... Played at Evansville, so um, interesting to see him step in, um, playing against much much better competition, much 
uh, bigger competition and really not missing a beat. Um, he looked really good today. Both of Indiana's fullbacks, I thought, were two of their better players on the night um, against Kentucky. Um, I guess as we kind of wrap this this part up, I know this is kind of a tough question because there's so many unknowns about this team, but this IU program is one that's been ridiculously close the last two years. I made it to the College Cup each of the last two years. It's still early, but I mean, what kind of ceiling does this team have? Are they capable of winning um, the College Cup good, or uh, do we just not really know yet? I think that it's hard because you look, it's kind of like people say about, you know, winning a, a national championship in basketball. It's all about the draw. So, you know, if you throw that out of the window and just say that, you know, if you ignore that, I would say that this team, this team's good enough to make it back to the College Cup. I, I didn't expect them to be before the season. I, I kind of figured that maybe this is more of a Sweet 16 team, maybe an Elite 8 team if they got lucky. But just just seeing the way that I, I figured it would be freshman heavy, and it is, but these aren't your average freshmen. I mean, Aiden Morris is a guy who has trained with the Columbus Crew first team and gotten buzz with the Columbus Crew first team. I mean, you, you've got freshmen who have trained with, some prominent clubs overseas, some Italian clubs like Milan. Um, I, I think that the adding Waver and Alinvi was huge. I, I think that this could be a College Cup team. I, I think this is this is definitely a Big Ten championship caliber team. So that's the more immediate goal, I'm sure, for the Hoosiers. But I could see them making a run once again. I, third straight College Cup isn't out of the question in the slightest. Yeah, the so IU has six games left in the regular season. Um, currently, five of them are Big Ten games. Um, they're unbeaten in the Big Ten. Um, I think, as we mentioned before, the Big Ten, little down this year. Usually one of the better um, soccer conferences, but um, little down this season. And on paper, IU shouldn't have much of a, a problem winning Um, They'll have to go to College Park against Maryland, which um, probably the toughest game left at Michigan State uh, to end the regular season will be another tough one. But, um, yeah, this team, it's just such an intriguing team to me because they're so young. It's kind of one of those situations where they've played so well that um, a lot of this, as we've mentioned before, this freshman talent probably isn't going to be around for maybe more than a season. Um, And so it'll be interesting to see how quickly all of these guys gel, which is kind of the other big thing Um, with so many new guys stepping into new roles. um, They're kind of learning on the fly a bit. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how quickly they can kind of gel together, um, get some chemistry because, yeah, there's only six games left. There's... Um, if they win the Big Ten tournament, there'd be three games there. So you're less than ten games away from uh, NCAA tournament. Um, so it's coming up quick. Um, but IU be back in action on Sunday. It'll be on ESPNU. Another chance to watch them um, on TV. 
before we'll talk about that game next week because then they will have their trip to Maryland um, the following week, um, which will be on BTN. So a couple big games coming up. But, um, yeah, as we said, we, we promised tonight was kind of an aberration. Uh, it's the exception, not the rule. This team is fun and exciting and normally do not have 0-0 draws through double overtime. So keep tuning in. This is uh, a Big Ten title team and a uh, potential college cup team um, that is still a lot of fun to watch. So uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about actual American football um, and IU finally coming back out of the bye week. So, after a week off, unfortunately, a uh, uh, as we said before, kind of I don't want to say ill-timed bye week, but I'm sure Indiana probably wanted to keep playing after how well they played against Michigan State. Um, that's kind of the bad news. The good news is. Um, IU has a non-conference game against Rutger right out of the gate from the bye week. Um, Rutger just fired their coach there in complete disarray right now. Um, there's no way that IU pulls what they did in, like, what was it, 2016 and blow a huge lead to Rutger, right? Um, you would certainly hope so. Uh, I, I think that this team might be a little better than that one. Statistically, they're a little better than that one. So you would certainly hope that the homecoming curse doesn't come back to bite the Hoosiers for however many years in a row it's been now. I, seven, eight, I think it's eight. This Rutgers team is really bad. Like, really, really bad. Like, SP Plus has them ranked lower than Toledo. They're right in the same ballpark as Coastal Carolina. Um, there shouldn't be a lot to worry about with the Scarlet Knights this year, which sh- should lead to an Indiana win, but you never know. Yeah, so Rutgers just has an absolute mess everywhere, as you kind of said. Um, Sidkowski is still there at quarterback. I believe McLean Carter actually just had to medically retire. Um, he played a bit this season as well. Um, they have, they just struggle all over the field. Um, they're, it's really hard to even kind of point out anyone. Isaiah Pacheco has 340 yards on the ground. Raheem Blackshear is also still there. He has 310 yards receiving. Um, but yeah, this is a team that, um, Lost 52 to nothing to Michigan, 48 to 7 to Maryland. Like, their only win was against UMass. Um, this is just not a good football team. So I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about them. Um, I'd rather spend time talking about IU and kind of how important do you think this game is? Cause this kicks off a stretch where they should be favored the next four games. How important is it to win a game they should, especially if they want to go bowling. I want to get to that, but first, um, one last note on the GUR. Um, you mentioned a lot of guys, but um, Arter Sitkowski, Raheem Blackshear, and Kyle Penniston are all possibly redshirting because it's early enough in the season where they 
They've only got four games. Uh, Blackshear is for sure redshirting. I believe the other two are still undecided, but I think they'll have to decide before the Indiana game. So they might come to Bloomington with their gun completely unloaded. That being said, um, I, I think that it's huge that Indiana wins this game just straight up. Just take Rutger, pound them into the dirt, and call it a day because – Advanced stats say that you're one of the best Indiana teams in decades, maybe. Um, this is a team that not only should be going bowling, but should be winning maybe seven games. Should be winning maybe eight games. This Indiana team should be able to be bowl eligible with two or three games left in the season, which is absolute madness because I don't know when the last time that happened was off the top of my head. Um... It definitely didn't happen while I was on campus. Um, so you have to beat Rutger to do that. Um, basically, that gets you your fourth win against the worst team on your schedule other than UConn. Uh, and plain and simple, got to win this one. Uh, don't really have much of a choice because if you don't, things get a little bit harder moving forward. I would say things get a lot bit harder moving forward if you don't win this. Um I looked up while you were talking. So Sidkowski is redshirting, which means they have a true freshman. Um, well, excuse me. They have Langan as a starter and true freshman Cole Snyder as his backup. Um, Pro Football Focus, which we're going to touch on in a minute, released their top uh, quarterbacks, um, ranking 130 quarterbacks. Um Langan came in at 127. Um, he is only ahead of UMass's quarterback, Old Dominion in Kentucky's. Um, he is, and he is actually below UConn's quarterback, who IU saw. Um, so, yeah, this should not be a problem for IU. Um, I was trying to look. About the only time I think Indiana could have been bowl eligible with two games to go, or multiple games to go, um, man, it'd be a long time. We'd be looking at, like, in the 90s. Um, yeah, back in 93, it looks like they were, they cl- they started out 6-1, and one. so um, my rough research while we're live. 93 was probably the last time they were bowl eligible with multiple games to go. Um, I wasn't alive yet. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that'll age some of our listeners as well. Um, But yeah, if they win all four of these games, we're sitting in the same situation. They only have to win three of these next four games um, to get to bowl eligibility. And we're not even counting Purdue at the end of the season who... The wheels have just totally fallen off. Injuries have just decimated them. Um, IU should be heavily favored in that one as well. But um, this is a huge chance for IU. They've talked every year about wanting to turn the corner. And breakthrough was the phrase forever, the word forever. Um, this is where it starts. Um, you beat Rutger, then you go to Maryland, a Maryland team that 
on again, off again, and um, you have a chance to really start to turn some heads. So um, I don't suspect Saturday will be um, difficult, really, in the least bit. Um, noon kickoff, hopefully it's a lot like the Eastern Illinois game where they're up so big at halftime you can just take a nap through the second half. Um, one other thing to touch on before we um, wrap up talking about football. As we said, Pro Football Focus released their um, top quarterbacks ranking, um, I believe, it's all 130 quarterbacks. Um, maybe not shocking. Michael Penix was ranked 16th in the nation. Um, and this is not just kind of uh, carrying over from just one game against Michigan State. He has been. He hasn't graded lower than a 74.5. Who those are? Those of you who are familiar with. Uh, PFF's grading. Um, he has the fourth highest adjusted completion percentage in the country at 84.5%. Um, and when he's been pressured, he is 12 of 24 for 240 yards and has not thrown an interception. Um, really, <laughs> I can't say enough great things about Penix. Um, and he's doing all this as a redshirt freshman. You took a look at some of the guys he ranks above um, so far. Who are some of the notable ones that uh, he is he ranks above, according to Pro Football Focus? So uh, I think that the big fish here is uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who you know has been seen as a potential number one overall pick in the NFL draft. No big deal. It, it's just Trevor Lawrence, you know, the national champion, so on and so forth. Um, Justin Herbert is another guy that PFF has underneath Michael Penix Jr. Herbert, uh, famously could have been the number one pick last year, maybe, uh, and he'll probably be a top ten pick in the NFL draft this year. Uh, Michael Penix, better than that guy, maybe. Um, Bo Nix, Auburn quarterback, freshman who's gotten a decent amount of hype. He's been on again, off again. He was actually ranked a lot lower than I expected him to be. He was down on like the... 80s maybe, but um, he's kind of gotten a lot of attention since he's at Auburn. Penix rated higher than him. Um, and then to top off the list, there's three guys who have been kind of splashy or bigger transfers recently. Guys who, you know, when they announced that they would transfer Indiana fans, were like, oh, maybe Indiana can grab him. Uh, Kelly Bryant is one. Kelly Bryant wasn't as much of an option for the Hoosiers. Uh, it was kind of just a bit for some people, maybe. Um, Brandon Never Peters. Done a bit here at, uh, at Crimson Corey. No, no bits ever. Everything is for real, a hundred percent. Brandon Peters, another guy who's not ranked nearly as high as Penix, and then uh, Hunter Johnson was ranked really, 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 really low. Um, probably got to blame Mick McCall for that a little bit, but uh, going to Northwestern might not have been a great idea for him. He hasn't had a great time, so. Those are just six guys um, out, out of the 114 quarterbacks in the country rated lower than Mike Penix, who is, according to PFF, an elite quarterback. Yeah, so one other kind of interesting look is where he ranks in the Big Ten. 
Uh, it should come as no surprise that Justin Fields is number one. They rank him fourth. Uh, most interesting stat there. He's the third highest graded passer on throws 10 yards downfield. Uh, Justin Fields, yeah, really good. As we kind of said after that Ohio State game, turns out that um, maybe Ohio State's just absolutely incredible. Um, Penix is second in the Big Ten at number 16. Um, the I don't know the last time I could tell you IU had the second best quarterback in the Big Ten, Big Ten by any metric. Um Third from the Big Ten, number at twenty fourth overall, Sean Clifford for Penn State. Uh, then it is Tanner Morgan for Minnesota, twenty seventh overall, and then all the way down at thirty ninth overall was Jack Cohn for Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, Michael Penix, really good. I don't think we can overstate how good of a season he's had. And how high his ceiling is, especially relative to IU football, where um, he's very quickly becoming one of the better quarterbacks IU's ever had, and he is five games into his four games into his career. I guess he's only played three games, um, three games into his career. So um, I'm just excited. It's I couldn't tell you. I'd have to think maybe. When we had Jordan Howard, where I was just so excited to tune into IU football and see one person specifically, maybe the Jordan Howard, Tevin Coleman teams, um, I just want to tune in and watch Michael Penix every week. Like, he's that type of exciting player. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. Watching Tico, watching Howard was a ton of fun. Penix is kind of the same deal. I mean, for me, this this PFF thing is kind of interesting, kind of a, a little um, validating because we've been told recently that there isn't as much of a gap between Penix and Ramsey as we, the good folks of Crimson Quarry, think there is. And um, I'm pretty confident in the fact that Peyton Ramsey doesn't grade out as an elite quarterback on PFF scale. Um, I don't know, but I'm Pretty confident. Do you think that he's an elite quarterback, Jacob? I don't think Peyton Ramsey would have been 16th in the nation. <laughs> I will safely go on that limb. Um, so final thing with uh, college football, or with IU football, I should say. What is your prediction for the final score on Saturday? Oh, man, this is going to be a tough one. Um we got two predictions that I'm kind of teetering back and forth between, but I, I think that I'm going to go with um, Indiana 420, um, Rutger 0. <laughs> I like it. Um, the I don't think it'll be quite that big. Um, I'm not sure. I was trying to find. I don't know that there is a line out for this game, probably due to the fact that no one really knows who's who Rutgers quarterback is going to be. I think that it opened at 25, maybe 25 and a half, and I think that since then it's gone up to 28. Okay, so I guess the bigger question is, do you think IU covers on Saturday? 
That is a great question. Um, I, I think that the opening line, 25, if you were, I guess, lucky enough to get it then, they could very well cover that. Uh, 28, I think, is a bit dicier. Um, I, I think that 28 is probably... 28 is too rich for my blood in terms of giving up points. 25, I, I think that Indiana does cover. But... Uh, if you're betting right now, then no, I don't think Indiana covers 28. Yeah, so the spread is 27 and a half right now. Um, I think IU covers. I don't think Rutgers is any good at all, and I think IU is actually finally good. Um, I would say it'll be. I expect a shutout because I think this pin or this pin six, excuse me, this Rutger offense is just going to be awful. I would say it'll be something like. 38-0 will be my uh, prediction. I don't think it will be pretty at all. And I think we will be able to safely turn this game off about midway through the third quarter, uh, about the time Ramsey steps onto the field. So Last last thing as far as the spread goes, um, I, I did some quick SP Plus math um, for our SP Plus believers. Um, it's not... It doesn't factor in for injuries and the fact that Sitkowski and Blackshear and God knows who else won't be playing, but um, they have the spread. SP Plus has the spread at 24.7. Hoosiers by 24.7 in this one. So the Vegas kind of hit it on the head in terms of the opening line, but now things might get really ugly. So maybe you're right. Maybe Indiana will cover because... Supposedly Hoosiers by 25 before those guys going out. The Yeah, I, I think that offense is going to be a mess. Um, last thing before we get out of here. We talked a bit about it last week, but IU had another day of fall baseball. Um, kind of briefly, what, what were your takeaways? I know you have a piece coming out tomorrow that will be more detailed, but what were your takeaways from uh, last Saturday um, at Kaufman Field, I, I think that we saw um, a, a better test of who the Hoosiers are and where they need to improve. Uh, because John A. Logan, uh, they played the John A. Logan Vols, um, one of the best JUCO programs in the country. Bunch of guys that are going to you know Louisville, TCU, IU, the, those kind of schools. So good test. Um, strikeouts were a bit of an issue. They have been for God knows how long. And I would expect for them to continue for at least another year of the Mercer era. I know that Mercer's trying to get that under control a bit, but that was a big thing that stood out to me. Um, another thing, just a lot of the arms, because we talked about this last week, but Indiana lo- loses a lot in terms of pitching from last year. Um, so there's going to be a lot of younger guys that are going to have to step up. Um, one guy who I thought looked really good, was uh, Braden Tucker. He's a guy who pitched for Terre Haute Rex over the summer and struck out 47 batters in 37 innings. Uh, seven starts, struck out 47 guys. Uh, pretty good from him. I think he'll be an important bullpen guy. Also, um, grad transfer from Kentucky, Grant Machaki. Uh, he hit the mound. He's a two-way guy, actually. Played second base against Great Lake Canadians. Uh, pitched against Logan so he came in and threw one inning, seven pitches, in and out, he was done. So that's 
good to see because, well, Indiana's going to need a guy like that in the bullpen. And lastly, uh, another guy who really jumped out was uh, Alex Franklin, Bloomington High School South grad, uh, local kid. Uh, he kind of profiled as a guy that I assumed that Mercer and pitching coach Justin Parker would like out of high school just because he's huge. He's a large adult son. Um, he's got a big frame, a lot of muscle, power stuff. Um, I think his fastball was sitting at like 91 against the Vols, um, but he also had a power curve that was pretty sharp, pretty strong, used it to strike out a guy who's probably the best hitter in the Vols lineup. Um, he he had a bit of an up-and-down outing through two innings, um, but he after a rocky start, I think he walked a guy, hit a guy, gave up a single, but after that, he struck out five guys in a row, so that... that I think it's pretty good, striking out five guys in a row. I, I like to see that. So th- those are just kind of like the big things. Uh, like you said, Jacob, I've got a lot more in uh, my second edition of the Fall Baseball Notebook, which if you're listening to this now, it it is up on the site. It's on our website, crimsoncory.com. Please go there. Read the content. My family is dying. <laughs> um, but, yeah, those are the big things from Saturday against John A. Logan College. Baseball team will play one more fall game uh, late o- or late October at Cincinnati. Um, then they will be off until the spring. Um, if anybody's in the area, there actually hasn't. I don't see a time for it. You may ask around, look around, but they'll finish up the fall schedule. Th- the, the time on that, I, I have heard. I think that it's going to be a noon start, so it'd be tough if you're in, say, the Bloomington area. Um, it's a little doable. You'd have to leave early in the morning, but if you're in that area, noon start should be a beautiful day for baseball. Um, good time of the year. So yeah, noon, noon start from what I hear, it isn't official yet, but should be around then. Um, so yeah, that'll be a chance to catch. I'd imagine the weather should be still pretty decent. Um, catch some baseball. So that'll do it for us. Um, we will be back next week, back on our regular schedule talking, IU football hopefully talking a big win and uh, start talking about the possibility of IU being bowl eligible, which is just a wild thought to even think about in October. So um, looking forward to it, looking forward to watching Pinnacks, looking forward to watching hopefully the soccer team score some more goals than they did tonight. They owe us after tonight. So um, a lot of exciting things going on in IU athletics. So Plenty of, plenty of places to turn. So, as I said at the beginning, be sure to subscribe, um, leave us a rating and review. Uh, really helps us out. Um, and we will be back next week. So, for Austin, this is uh, Jacob signing off.